Welcome to HR Masters, a podcast where we sit down and talk about key learnings and best practices with the masters of human resources. Find us through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now sit back, turn it up, and get ready to get your masters in HR with our host, Jordi Romero. Welcome to HR Masters. Today, uh, we have Anna as guest. Anna is joining us from Stockholm. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Um, Anna has like a very impressive uh, profile and experience, not only in HR, but also in, uh, in strategic management consulting. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, where, where do you come from? How did you end up here? Exactly. How did I end up here? So um, I took the broad road uh, uh, when studying at university and studied for a master's in business administration and economics. And I was pretty sure that I wanted to work with marketing and especially brand management. Um, so after university, I started working in marketing and it wasn't as creative as I'd hoped for. Uh, I was a bit disappointed and decided that I needed to go back and rethink what I should do. Uh, and then I joined a management consulting firm because that's a great way of finding out what to do and you're learning everything. So it's like university and but in real life. And I worked there for seven years uh, in, you know, in large projects for big international companies, um, trying different industries and professions and projects. And I learned so much. I really enjoyed it. But I also discovered that the key to success in all projects was really the people. So the strategy could be super clever or not so clever, but it was the people leading who really made the change. Um, and that just made me realizing that I was really interested in this area and I wanted to learn more and work with this. So then I sort of switched and worked more with people strategy projects um, and, and also realized that working for huge corporations with pretty slow processes and not always having you know, employees who loved their work um, wasn't as empowering and motivating as I, you know, need from my work. Uh, so I decided to join a startup instead. Um, super passionate about tech um, and found a role in a, in a small startup as a HR business partner. And I remember they told me like, so how do you know you could do this? You know, you'd never done this before. And, and I answered, well, you had never done this before either. And you started a company and they're like, yeah, fair enough. And, um, and then it took on, we got good investment, Truecaller was the a startup name. And um, I learned by doing, became the HR director, scaled the company, um, had so much fun, learned enormous amount, worked there for four years and thought this was great. I wish I could do this again because now I know so much more how to do things. And then Kri or Levy, a healthcare, a digital healthcare provider, uh, got in touch and asked if I wanted to join. They were 30 people. That was 20 months ago. And I felt this is a great chance. I need to do this again. So I joined them as their VP of people operations. And uh, we've been growing really fast, scaling, uh, entering new markets. And it's a new exciting journey that I'm on. Okay, wow, that's uh, quite an experience. So how many people are you right now at Cree? You started with 20? Yeah, so now we're 260 non-clinicians and then we're around 600 clinicians. And we're based in Sweden, Norway, uh, and UK and France. And um, 
our you know our vision is to uh, provide healthcare in excellent healthcare to everyone in Europe. Okay. So and and these six hundred people, I mean, you why do you separate them from the other two hundred and sixty? Uh, because it is different because this, the clinicians are both I mean they're working uh, working part-time remotely so they're offering healthcare services through their computer or phone um, maybe working from home they're working for other healthcare providers physical care as well half of them are employed half of them are uh, consultants but the 260 okay. people we have they are the one providing the technology the product doing all the commercial marketing legal and they are working more than full-time and based in, in you know in our offices so it is a bit of different way of how we work together okay so before we get to the to the cre and the, the scale up of of this company like very fast growth in in very short period of time uh it's very interesting um you know that from a management consulting point of view you decided that you know strategy was maybe not necessarily the number one reason for success but the people behind it uh, where what kind of projects were you involved in that you know had some some people strategy um, um, well it thing was to do? Uh, i worked uh, um, yeah so it was uh, it was called transformation of strategy it could be how to merge different organizations it could be the concept of doing lean within the logistics industry um how to create a new product development roadmap so it could be actually anything um, from business cases to trying out new things, but you know we had a structured approach, uh, and, and at that time lean was a new concept, very modern. So it was a lot of lean, whatever it was, and um, re-engineering processes. It's quite a lot of that, uh, and also just coming in and seeing, you know, how could you work differently in the organization? Uh, how could we uh, have better roles and responsibilities? Work with the org development. Um, so really all kinds of projects and you mentioned also probably to very large uh, enterprises as customers right enterprises did you manage to make a, to make an impact like did this project see the light <laughs> well that's the question you never you never knew when you left the building like would they just take this powerpoint presentation and put it in a drawer and never look at it again that was actually also one of the reasons where I felt, you know, it must be great to work in something where you could actually see the effects. Um, but, but, you know, some, of course, it made an impact, but did I really change the way it worked? I'm not sure. Okay, well, unfortunately. So uh, switching to a completely different environment, uh, an environment where you probably see the change in a matter of seconds, minutes, or you know, hours, depending on what you do. Uh, you've been in two startups, they've been growing fast. Uh, you mentioned that you know, your passion is, is scaling organizations. Is, um, you mentioned the concept of a scale-up. What, what would you consider a scale-up? Yeah, what, what, what differs? I think scale-up is the version after startup. So first you're a startup, you're for a couple of, you know, you're not so many, you can still share a couple of pizzas using sort of the Amazon uh, way of saying it. Um, but then when you have enough funding and you're, I think, when you're, I mean, above 100 people and a couple of years old and you're really expanding, I don't think you're a startup phase anymore when you've got processes in place and it's more, you know, it's more of a real business but you're still in hyper growth phase, then I think it's more of a scale up. Um, but it's a really good question. And I, I mean, I know a lot of huge companies who still call themselves startups, or I know some, uh, they've been alive for 15 years, but they want yeah. to have the startup culture. 
So maybe it's also a bit, you know, what you aspiration as well as how, you know, how do you identify yourself? Okay, so let's, um, let's focus on these scale-ups now. What do you think are the, the challenges for a scale-up? What's the key to a successful HR at a company such as, you know, Cree right now? It's the people, uh, definitely. It's, it's attracting the right people and then making sure that you retain them by growing them. And at the same way, making sure, you know, uh, not working with people who don't share the same values and behaviors. So with people and culture fit, there's not like one personality type, but you definitely need to share the values. So it all starts with setting the values, what kind of behaviors are we after, what kind of competences do we need, finding these super brilliant people and empowering them so they, so they can go about and do a good job. Uh, what you should not do is starting focusing on controlling policies, routines, that's not focus. Um, so how, how do you, um, you said that, you know, fit in the values from the company and, um, you know, a new candidate or, or a potential new employee. How do you measure this fit? Do you actually run a test? Do you have some exercise? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we look at, I mean, all the interviews we do are, uh, inter you know, they're based on behavioral questions, assessments. So we're asking them questions around behaviors. Uh, we also do case studies or you know they come and meet the team and we can continue doing case discussions testing the behaviors and the values again uh, for leaders we do a third assessment um, uh, looking at preferred work behaviors so not saying if you're red or green or yellow but more like these than your preferred behaviors and then we can see if it matches the values and behaviors we believe in um, so i think you can test that in many ways just by interviewing and see but how would you say those are like standard um, interviews and, and techniques or is it just like all a conversation and then from this conversation you try to extract this? No, it's pretty, you know, I think we should, we have found, we have identified questions that we think are super important and, you know, we're looking for these are warning signs and these are really interesting signs. Um, for our company, we need people, I think people who want stability and can't really deal with ambiguity and uncertainty or changing conditions, they will not uh they will probably not be very happy working with us so we need to have people who are totally fine with that who can you know run with something even if they don't have all the information who can take decisions they you know it could be a wrong decision but they're okay with taking a decision and people who are you know have the grit who see failures as learnings and then you can ask a lot of questions about that about the risks they've taken, about their learnings, how do they view their failures. Um, so I think we, we've sort of identified these are the, the, the things to look out for in people. And of course, we're getting more and more data as we grow. So now we really see what kind of people, you know, really prosper and grow and are amazing. And, you know, what kind of people struggle a bit more. And we learn from that. Okay, so that um, sounds like a very methodological approach to, you know, finding the value fit. It's interesting, probably related to your, you know, consulting uh, team. So how, how do you empower or nurture or foster these, these values over time or, you know, these people in general in the company? Mm. Um, I think that you, uh, I, th this is so important. I just going back to why I think it's so important. I think that there are three things that really matters for people. Uh, it's all based on the Dan, Dan Pink research, but like autonomy, mastery, purpose. 
so autonomy they feel that you know they've got freedom no one is micromanaging them and they can decide what to do they're smart people and mastery constantly learn and and purpose that there's a higher purpose with what they do and as we provide healthcare services you know that's forgiven so really working them with autonomy which is trickier as you you grow as a company because it's sort of you want to add more control you should add more context so it's all about giving a lot of context we have slack where we share all the information so we don't send emails so no one is sitting with lots of hidden information in in their inbox slack is available you can add different you know you can join channels you can see what's going on so you know constantly giving information having the all hands on the mondays having the demos and the retros and the fridays uh, it's a lot about constantly giving information having you know we're putting together we used to work with bets company bets were like cross functional initiatives but i think we're trying to empower people to you know take something be accountable for it and then you know go ahead and, and execute on it um so we're giving people lots of responsibility very early on um, that's one way of empowering them in um, all of these things that you're mentioning um, are you saying that those are responsibilities for HR or the kind of like for the business in general I think it's for the business in general um, but I think HR has a very important role in this um, how, how you know how do we view people how do we communicate with people how can we encourage and empower people and enable them to do a good job and that's what you know we should be the enablers and not the stoppers so not the ones saying you can't do that instead we should be like how can we support you and um, okay. you want to do this you're you know you're responsible for your development you're driving it but i'd love to support you let me know how i can mm -hmm. support you so that approach okay i love um this concept of uh giving more context i actually think that's one of the most important parts of a ceo's job is to just give context uh probably not the enabler maybe that's more hr who supports that you know communications channels are there and so on but it's setting the vision repeating it you know reinforcing the values making sure there is no blocking between you know different units in a company that should be collaborating with each other and they're not because they don't know that they should be collaborating with each other i think uh or i, I see that as a big part of of my job for instance as ceo factorial but interesting that you see hr you know supporting there so how, how um interesting question you mentioned also this um you know having some goals and and some transparency in, in in what people need to accomplish what do you think is the goal of hr or how do you measure success of HR in a company like like yours right now, I think uh, we measure by you know what we, the HR mission is is uh, I don't you know find the best people and then make sure that we grow them and retain them, and that can be measured in so many ways. I mean we could measure it as we're finding really great people and we're scaling at the pace we want to. We can look at um, engagement. So we got a, a tool integrated with slack where we measure engagement and 10 different metrics every week so we could see the trends our teams are doing i think that's one way of looking from recognition feedback satisfaction ambassadorship um so all of this is happening in slack yeah we, we use an office vibe at all okay. and integrating with slack so so we're actually constantly checking how is you know how are the teams doing um, that's one way of measuring it. We could measure it looking at retention numbers, although 
I don't think it's as easy as saying, you know, it should, it should be as low as possible. It's not that simple. Uh, then, you know, you're looking at everything from diversity to, um, and diversity not only in recruiting, but how's the diversity in, in management, in leader positions, when you look at promotions, etc. And um, the onboarding, we do a lot of uh, evaluations. Um, and for example, our onboarding process is great. People love our onboarding. And when they tell me like, this is the best onboarding I've ever had, you know, that's a great like reward that the team is doing an amazing job. Also, when people are leaving, we're leaving as good friends and we have bring a good structured offboarding process with the, you know, mutual respect that feels like a success as well. Um, when you have uh, also look at how many internal, you know, how many people are actually changing careers, maybe being promoted or just joining another team. I think that's a huge sign of success. So actually we're taking care of the people and we are, you know, developing. So there's so many different, um, different aspects of, of what HR could do. Okay, well, that was a lot. I, <laughs> you definitely have some, some clear goals for your HR department. Um, so, what, I mean, I'm very curious about your onboarding process. I mean, tell us a little bit more, you know, if I, if, I was to join, if I was to join tomorrow, what would I find? Yeah, so, you know, at, I mean, first from, you know, from you sign and then um, you will get a little uh, package delivered home to your uh, you know, to your home with a bit of surprise gifts. That's nothing special. But then we have this um, HR system where you get like electronic onboarding. So you would get tasks and information uh, on a regular basis and you would fill out some facts about yourself that would be sent out to everyone and you will get all the, you know, the pre-information and what work equipments you want, etc. So when you come the first day, everyone in the company know who you are because they read, you know, the message about you in Slack um, and know some fun facts about you. People would be wel welcoming, the team will onboard you, we'll have a team onboarding, then we'll have a company onboarding, uh, you will be presented in all hands, and we, you will also be welcome to the intro days, which is every month when all new joiners fly into Stockholm, and we have sessions with the CEO and founders and all the different positions um, and they're doing some workshops together and going for dinner. So it's really, it's not, you know, it's, it's still budget, but it's just very, very much making the new person feeling super welcome and, and getting to know the company really fast so they can start working. And when does the onboarding finish? Is it the day of joining the company, the week after? How, how do you define the, yeah, how the do you end find of that? Onboarding? We also have in the system that the manager should have like a set, you know, a clear uh, three-month follow-up and also a one-month follow-up and making sure that the expectations are right because we don't always have role descriptions. We have like, you know, expectations from the employee, expectations from the manager. And when we know that that's clear and then sort of pass the three-month talk, expectation talk, I think sort of the onboarding is, is over. And especially for us with so many new employees, if you work for a couple of months, you're, you know, you're, you're one of the oldest employees in the company. That's a, it's a crazy fact about fast growing companies. Um, I remember a friend of mine who used to work at, at Facebook and said like, it's crazy that, you know, 50% of the team has been here for less than a year. 
and 50% of the team is thousands and thousands of people. So it's 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 ridiculous when you are in a in a scale and up. And I should also you know. say that you know working in a in a startup or scale up is like dog years. So if you work one year, it's like seven years in ordinary company. So when you work three years, you actually work 21 years. Um, it, it's it's really it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> it goes fast. Okay. And you learn. Um, so you, you mentioned a lot of things that, you know, um, you, you see them from an HR perspective, but I think they're, they're core to the business and, you know, the, the mission, vision, values, the strategy of the business, the people strategy of the company. Um, you have to work very close with the founders. And uh, you mentioned before uh, that, you know, you have a special relationship with the founders. How, how would you define this relationship? What's, what's your role next to the founders? Yeah, how do you so, collaborate uh, with each yeah, other? Yeah, I, I work super close with the founders because they started this company with a vision. And that is, you know, that's why we joined them. So we're all united in, 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 in driving the vision. But usually founders have strong characteristics. They usually they don't always listen to people, you know, they go their own way. And that's why they're so successful. Because if you listen too much to all the naysayers, you wouldn't do anything. So that's an amazing characteristic. Uh, and you have this energy and passion. But I think sometimes founders need to be surrounded with someone, you know, adding a bit more of um, uh, not too much structure, but, you know, setting the context, looking from the people perspective, looking at the communication part and I think that's where I'm sort of adding to the founders. So they have a clear vision on how to do it. And then I'm like, okay, so you have the why, and then let's, this is the how to do it. And this is how we can communicate the why um, and translate it so that everyone understands it. And did you find uh, in some occasions, you know, some topics where you could not agree with the founders for any reason? You really said like, we need to do this thing or the other way yes, around. Yes, I mean, uh, I mean, absolutely. Sometimes we disagree and then we have a conversation about it. And if I'm like, you know, when I have a really strong opinion, I try to, you know, back it up with data and uh, we'll see how that goes. And then I... Um, I'm pretty, you know, I, I won't give up. So maybe, you know, we'll be like, okay, let's not discuss this for now. And then I'll take it up again. But of course, I also listen a lot to them because it's their business. They're super smart and uh, they're ahead in their thoughts. So I also need to learn and, and listen to them. But absolutely, sometimes we disagree, um, but we solve it. Do you dare giving us an example where HR and founders would disagree, for example, something that's soft already, something yeah, that's maybe exactly. not but I recent? Think, you know, I think uh, for a lot of founders, like the whole working hard, working together, sitting as a team, crunching, it's that's like, whoa, this is their baby. And sometimes maybe it's hard to understand that for not, not for all employees, this is the baby that, you know, they've got other personal hobbies or families. And so they could leave earlier and that's fine. Um, and I think then when you've been there from the beginning, you're like, why are not everyone sitting here in every, you know, every evening and we're just working hard like we used to do when we were 20 people. Um, but that's, that's part of scaling the business. And I think that's where you could, you know, we could have discussions around that. Um, and I, I have seen this in, in, in more, I think this is the classical sign. So I'll put you against the ropes now because this, you know, this happened to all of us. I mean, uh, my previous company, when we started, we were all like 23, 24, you know, like mostly single uh, free riders and no responsibilities, you know, and eventually people, you know, got older, 
they had significant others, some had babies, they had families, they had mortgages, you know, like suddenly a lot of more responsibilities, uh, money mattered a lot more when you're like 30 something than when you're 20 something and, and the working hours became a thing, you know, like some people needed to leave to go take care of, of you know, their family. Um, and we didn't know how to handle it. Like, you know, what's what's your recommendation for a situation like this? How how do you, you know, tackle a situation I so tricky as this? I think we should not this? focus on the actual, you know, work hours. We should focus on how much do you get done when you work. And I mean, the, in the ideal world, you would work as little as possible and get as much output as possible. That to me is like that's what we should be striving for. So we could have people without families sitting all night in the office, but you know they could be playing games or whatever. What do we know? And we have uh, parents with young children, and they're super efficient. You know, they hardly take lunch. They're like da, 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 never do anything else than work because they want to leave early and go home to the babies. That's fine. You know, we need to cater for all kinds of aspects of life and not focus on the actual work hours or I think it's much more about like, you know, this is what you expected to do and how, you know, how do you, how do you deliver this? And is that good enough? And not for how long time did it take for you to deliver this? Um, so focus on that aspect. On delivery. Um, and then, you know, it comes challenging, for instance, when you mix different profiles, right? So a salesperson, a customer service person and a product designer, they're totally different like working schedules. One maybe needs two good hours of creativity uh, to do a week's worth of work. And the other one needs to be there like from 8 a.m. until whatever hour they're working, uh, office hours, you know, open and taking the phone. And, you know, this can sometimes create um, comparatives and say, this guy is just, you know, playing ping pong all afternoon and I have to be sitting by my desk. So exactly. And I think it's all about, instead of going around assuming like, why, you know, why is she not working as much and why is he doing that? Just assuming good intent, like trusting people to do their job. I think everyone, with a few exceptions, most people want to do a really good job. You know, that's what we do. Sometimes we don't have the right context or the, you know, the right uh, tools to be able to do it, but people want to do a good job. So if we assume that people want to do a good job, and not, you know, trying to find um, find out who's working less and focus on your own stuff. I think that's much better. And if you have a problem with someone, talk to them and learn, like, how are they working instead of uh, creating rumors. Especially if you did a good job at, you know, finding a good fit with values and, uh, you know, the, the selection process was was good. So before we have to finish, uh, one question I'll ask you, imagine if you went back in time, you know, and you were again early in your career and you knew you wanted to get into HR. What did you wish you knew back then? Um, if I'd gone back early in my career, I think I would have, um, <laughs> I think that I would be, believe more in myself and my skills. So not uh, actually you know taking more space and and um, making myself heard um, I've also learned uh, that I don't I don't need to spend as much time doing fancy PowerPoints so it's much better to actually because when you're done with the whole presentation it's out of date because something's happened so instead focusing on on talking to people making sure that we have a good communication that way and, and um, working with the people relationships much more. Um, that's something I wish I'd learned. Uh, I think I'd learned earlier on how to be more assertive as well. Um, 
because sometimes I think people believing that an HR person must always be this happy, warm person, it's very soft and, you know, uh, that's not good for anyone to be assertive, like the setting the clear expectations and um, being clear and honest and a bit more using the radical candor feedback mm -hmm. instead of trying to be liked. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Radical candor is also an interesting read for people who, who don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good read for, um, for most leaders, actually. It helped me a lot, actually, early in my career when I had to face some, you know, like separation conversations, uh, people who didn't work out. And, you know, first you just try to, you know, point out what didn't work, then that's a disaster, then you hide it, then people don't understand, get very frustrated. So I think that's a very interesting tool for anybody who's like a manager, leader, or, you know, especially if you're in HR. I totally agree with you. I think it's a must read book. It's, cool. it's great. So we'll, you know, we'll finish with this recommendation. I hope everybody had a, you know, very interesting time uh, hearing your story and uh, your learnings. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna. Um, we're very happy to have you here in, in HR Masters. And to everybody else, thanks for listening and see you next week at HR Masters. If you like this, subscribe to our channel and don't forget to tune in next week to HR Masters.